Thank you, Pastor Ken. I'll be wearing a different hat tonight. So, uh, you know what's interesting is one of my other jobs, all my jobs are pretty important, one of my other jobs is I'm a uh, software developer in NIT. So I've been doing that for about, I guess this is now my 22nd year uh, doing IT work. What's interesting is the moment you tell people you program computers, they're like, hey, uh, you think you can fix my computer, right? In fact, that's how we became a pastor here. There's a bunch of computers that need to be fixed, and uh, that's what I do. Actually, I do some of that work here. I help Pastor Dan and Mark Sarhan as part of our IT staff. And what's interesting is I don't really do computer fixing, okay? However, when you start learning about computers, they're ba very basic information that you get to learn, and computers have very basic information there, too, that you can do to, to figure it out, all right? So... You know, I, I may not be well-versed in all of our systems here, but the moment people start saying, hey, we need to fix this area in our network and so on and so forth, uh, because of the training I've had, there's a lot of basic information there that I can use to start uh, either uh, triaging or uh, diagnosing and starting to fix what we have. So that's one of the work uh, I do. In fact, it's knowing that basic information is where we're going to start with tonight. So if you can please turn your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, we'll be reading the first 12 verses. So we're going from chapter, uh, verse 1 to verse 12. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to verse 12. And God, God's word reads, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives the blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and brayers, it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, Things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let us pray. Father in heaven, almighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, dear Lord, that we're able to worship freely. I pray, dear Lord, that you will allow us to receive it with open hearts and open minds. Dear Lord, as we speak, uh, as I speak, may you speak to me and through me, and may it be your words that come out. In Jesus' name, amen. So having a basic understanding is good, okay? Having learned basic things is what allows you to have fundamental knowledge with the expectation that it will continue to grow from there. In organizations with missions and visions, this is a great thing because you are able to take in people who you can teach 
the mission and the vision of your organization. And then the expectation there is to allow you to come from, to go into an apprentice level and allowing you to become an expert. In addition to making you an expert, the expectation as well is as you become well-versed in the organization and what they do, you will do the same for new people coming in, taking them from an apprenticeship to also becoming an expert. And the cycle continues. And where I work, when I first went in there, I had to learn how we do uh, viola traffic violation processing. Yes, I am not very from, uh, popular to you guys. Uh, we have those violation cameras actually around here in Chandler. Thank you for your service. Um, when I first went into the company, I had to learn how we process data because I'll be working in systems that will help process this information. Now, as you learn, the big thing that they were telling me is, you know, Daniel, what we'd like to do is, right now we want to improve our processing rate because we reject more of these events than we should be allowing to get processed. Uh, either because the cameras aren't clear or processors make mistakes. And, you know, I go in there, so after learning it, the idea is to move and uh, mature the system. But you cannot do that if you remain in your basic form when you first come in. In fact, the expectation of the company they hire me is that I will bring that expertise into the organization so that they can progress better, okay? So now I have been made a steward of this process, and once we improve, the idea is not to stay there, the, continue is the, the idea is to continue improving. That's what you're supposed to do. This is actually not strange in this world. It's not only my organization that does this. In my other jobs, there's the military. In fact, what's interesting about the military, you have to improve. There is no if there. In fact, if you don't improve and you miss it enough times, the military can say, uh, I'm sorry, thank you for your service. You no longer get to worry about improvement anymore. Okay, you can progress to no longer thinking about running, push-ups, sit-ups. I don't know, maybe this is a good idea. <laughs> You know, but the idea there is you have to keep moving forward, okay? Because if you think about even the history of the military, it is this concept of constant apprenticeship to move people to being an expert, bringing in more people again and do that same cycle over and over again. It's what allowed our military to be the military it is today for so many hundreds of years. If you look at the church, that's embedded in what we do. If you think about the church, what Jesus Christ has started, what the apostles have continued, and what we've done with training people to become teachers and preachers and missionaries, that cycle has allowed us to be here today because we have that process as well. However, in order to do that, you need to get away from being basic. You cannot stay basic. That's exactly what Paul, uh, the Hebrew uh, writer is saying here. In fact, if you look at the passage prior in chapter 5, the writer talks about you should be teachers by now. Okay, you should, you should be doing more at this point. There's only so much milk you can take in. 
You're supposed to progress from milk to solid food. And actually, you're not supposed to regress back to milk. You have to move forward. And then as we look at chapter 6 in the beginning, the writer is starting to say, we need to start moving forward from elementary things, from basic things. You have to start doing more. Now, my generation, I think they still call it Generation X, we help usher in the popularity of video games. Okay? When you start playing video games the way it used to work before, by the way, video games used to have big manuals tied to it because you had to learn how to play with it at a basic level. Like in Super Mario, if you guys are familiar. You start learning how to teach this, uh, this character in the game to jump, to move forward, to move backward, to avoid obstacles, to avoid enemies, and so on and so forth. There's a point, however, in the game you start realizing the simple button pushing no longer works. In fact, you have to start doing a combination of buttons and a combination of moves. You have to make Mario run faster, jump higher, take in power-ups, because you can never beat the game unless you start learning all these other moves that come with the game. The basic steps will no longer work. You have to do more. Because if you don't, you just basically wasted however many dollars you spent on this game. And by the way, most games these days are about $60. Okay? You would have just wasted that money because you will never meet the objective of the game. So basic steps is not going to work. So you can see, even in other areas, you can't be basic. You have to go beyond basic. And what we're learning here in chapter 6 of Hebrews is we need to progress further than that. In fact, you should be experts by now. The thing is, you have to figure out what is it that prevents you from moving forward. Going back into the military, we have what we call basic training. Basic training is, is funny when you, when you go. Because it's a bunch of people, at least most of them, a bunch of people have no idea what's going on, right? And then you get yelled at for not knowing what you're supposed to not know, but you should know. What's interesting is when you first start out, one of the funny things I enjoyed about watching people in basic training is we had to learn how to march. Now, what, it shouldn't be hard, right? It's essentially walking, which all of us here should basically know. But how they throw you off is they tell you, by the way, Make sure your arm swing is six inches forward and three inches back. So now they're like, I've never calculated how to arm swing before, right? So you start having people walking around going, is this six inches? Is this three inches? While they're walking forward like this. Is this? And then what ends up happening, most of them is they end up walking like this. That sounds like it's six and three inches. And what's funny is I eventually told them, you know, it's just walking. No, 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 it's not. Because how do you know it's six inches and three inches back? Why don't you try walking and then we'll measure? Let's try that. And it surprisingly worked. In other words, the basic understanding of walking will allow you to do, have the basic understanding of marching. Right? But in fairness, that was the point. 
And then you learn a lot more things in basic training, a lot of more things in basic training, okay? But the idea of basic training is to prepare you for more. It's not supposed to say, hey, thank you for graduating basic training, now go storm that hill. Uh, or, hey, thank you for graduating basic training, here's your general star. That's not how this works. The idea is, hey, congratulations for doing basic training, guess what else you're going to do? More training. And guess what? When you're done with that training, guess what else you're going to do? More training. By the way, we've computerized this, so guess what you're going to do? Computer-based training. The training is constant because the idea is supposed to prepare you for something you're about to do. Something that's greater. Something that will impact an organization even more. We just had trophies presented this morning. It works in sports too. Because it's not enough that you dribble a ball, because eventually you're gonna to have to pass the ball. Eventually you're gonna to have to shoot the ball. And once you even score, guess what? You have to get back on defense. Now you have to guard a person, box out, rebound. Maybe sometimes act like you got charged, okay? Learn how to make it work as you fall to get the referee's attention. Now you're going beyond basic things. If this is true for many places, Christianity is definitely no exception. You have to get beyond basic understanding. And by the way, if having to teach you over and over and over again of these same basic things is actually the warning the Hebrews passage has. If you are unable to progress from the basic things, Hebrews and other passages in Hebrews says, we need to have a warning to give you here. Because if you are stuck, you almost have to figure out what else is wrong that's keeping you from going forward. This is a waste, not only for you, but even the person teaching you. We can't just keep saying the same things all over again. We can't keep teaching the same basic understanding of even the gospel all over again. The gospel is great, but eventually as you learn the gospel, as you receive Christ, you have to keep moving forward. You can't be stagnant. You'll either be left behind or even yet the biggest warning, the bigger warning in Hebrews. Maybe you're not a Christian if you're unable to do this progression. Because that's what Hebrews is going to talk about here starting in verse 4. It is impossible. Okay? It starts out with it is impossible. Because the, the emphasis is going to be given here is, if you claim to be a Christian, you have experienced a lot more. You have experienced joy. You have experienced goodness. There's something that you have experienced that once you've experienced these things, it is impossible for you to regress. It doesn't make any sense if that happens. One of the things that we do in the military is salute. It's one of the basic things you get taught in basic training. And there's a hierarchy. So all enlisted, 
Members salute officers, and then within the officers, a higher-ranking officer is saluted. They salute back. There's even rules are how far apart. The moment they're six paces away from you, that's when you start rendering the salute. Of course, there are other rules too, like if your hands are encumbered, you can just give the greeting of the day, so on and so forth. There's a lot of things, but that's basic. That's very basic, okay? Now, as a chaplain, as a, as a military member, you're supposed to be able to correct that when it happens. A little bit difficult for me as a chaplain, though, because, you know, you want to give the impression that you care about them, okay? I have to do it. I must do it. Because if something basic isn't happening, it has to be corrected, okay? But it's a little bit difficult for me. So this is what I do. I, I tell my sergeant, any of the sergeants in our office that walk me, goes, hey, if it ever happens that someone doesn't render the proper salute, even if I make the mistake of not rendering the proper salute, you need to correct it. If an enlisted person goes by and doesn't render the proper salute to me, I need you to do that because I want to maintain how they view me. Right? Not that I can't correct it, but I think you would do a better job. So one day, I was walking with my uh, master sergeant. So he's the senior enlisted person in our office. And we're walking down, and you see this airman, who I think has two stripes, walk past. And you know, sometimes when they kind of see people just so that they can say, oh, I didn't know, they'll start doing the looking around thing, like this. And both of us notice, and of course, when you are with senior enlisted, oh, they're very sharp about that stuff. And then the moment the guy passes, this airman passes, my uh, master sergeant says, excuse me, sir. And he breaks away like a fighter jet breaks away from the other fighter jet. He goes, he's on the hunt now, okay? And you see the, I don't know if you guys know what a knife hand is. It looks like this, right? This is, the moment this comes out, you know something's about to happen, okay? We don't point like this, we point like this. And see, that's what's hard for me as a chaplain, because if I have to do that, it's weird to go from, hey, you messed up to, and then transition to, by the way, may you have a blessed day. So it's the reason why it's difficult for me to do that. So the moment my, my master sergeant goes, sir, excuse me real quick, you kind of see his hand start going this direction, because he's, he's about to explain what just happened here. And of course, I kind of look back. Now, I didn't hear what he had to say. But I like to think it went along something like this. Airmen, it is impossible for you to have been enlightened in basic training, having tasted the savory flavor of sweat after being smoked for a hundred push-ups, to have smelled the minty fresh breath of your drill instructor, who reminded you that you are lower than dirt, to just forget to salute and for us to send you back to basic training so that this same drill instructor can correct your mistake. I'm probably going to have my guys read Hebrews 6. So this can be the standard way to correct things. Now, it went, I'm sure it went something along like that. Okay, because I've seen it before. I remember as a young second lieutenant, I had a chance with a chaplain who's a lieutenant colonel visit... San Antonio, where all airmen basic training happens. And I remember two of the drill instructors who were escorting us. 
out after our lunch. Talking to us about, thank you, sir, for coming, so on and so forth. And as we exit the bay, these two basic uh, training, uh, trainees walk by us. Just walk by us. Now, for me, as a second lieutenant, I'm like, okay, well, this is probably a training environment. I have no idea what's going on. And then you get the, could you hold a second, sir, conversation. And then that knife hand comes out. And for the first time, I got to see someone just be trained from head to toe. I mean, literally head to toe. This drill instructor was talking up and down and back up again, one arm, the other arm, about how all of this is broken for some reason. And you notice that two officers walk by and you did nothing. And then you hear these trainees say, I'm sorry. And then you hear the famous phrase in the military that says, don't apologize, fix it. So these guys turn around and they have to look to make sure they're going to give the proper greeting of the day. Where's the sun right now? Because they cannot look at their watch. They have to know based on maybe shadows, I don't know, that it is actually good afternoon, sir, as they render the salute. So Colonel says, we're going to hang right here. They render the salute. We salute back. We turn around. And I said, what's going on here, Colonel? He goes, well, we became part of the training. Okay? Because they need to know and have a basic understanding is going to work. Because once they go to the operational Air Force and we start doing operational things, those mistakes cannot happen anymore. Because we are now, the expectation is to create war fighters. And when the war happens, these tiny mistakes is now unacceptable. So if you take that understanding and you apply that to the Christian life, and you are still stuck on basic things, what happens when the spiritual warfare becomes intense for you? Are you going to be able to have that fight? Or will you end up losing that fight? Will you end up being tempted and then submitting to that temptation? Because for some reason, you're unable to just get beyond basic things. And that's what Hebrews is saying here. It is impossible for those who were enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, become partakers of the Holy Spirit, tasted the good work of God, the powers of the age to come, to just fall away. To essentially crucify Christ again, put him to open shame. It just does not happen. So the challenge here is if it does happen, then we must not be talking about a Christian person anymore. That's the force that you're hearing here in Hebrews. So if that is the warning, and you are sitting there wondering, how do I receive this warning? Because you feel like you are still basic. Guess what you have to do? You got to fix it. You have to fix it. There's another illustration here of the soil, the ground being watered. Because the expectation is for fruit to come out. And if fruit does not come out, if thorns come out instead, that has to be burned. 
if no fruit is being produced, you now have to wonder, there's probably something else wrong. Because if, for example, us who preach here have been watering and watering, people who've invested in your lives have been watering, all these other things that you're doing have been watering, and yet there is no product that comes out. Maybe it's time to ask that question, what's going on? What could be the issue here? Could the issue be that maybe you're not saved? Or is the issue here that you are still basic? Because if the issue here is that you're still basic, you need to move forward. You need to do more. You have to do more things. You have to start asking the question, what is it that keeps me from going basic? I've received Christ. I believe that He's my Savior. I believe He's my Lord. But I don't see fruit bearing. What is it that I have to ask? What is it that I have to look for? Hebrews is essentially calling out your lack of maturity. And it's time to fix it. If you don't think you are where you're supposed to be, maybe the question you should ask is, what am I supposed to do where I'm at now? I think you have a lot of people who start saying, well, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm sure if I was over there, wherever that is, right? Mission field, maybe if I go to this church instead, uh, maybe if I go to Bible school, maybe if I talk to this person, that's probably what's going to fix that. And you know, maybe you're right. Maybe that is the answer. But what are you doing now? You're more concerned about where you think you're supposed to be without considering where you are now. Are you wondering if God is able to use you where you're at now? Because you're waiting for where he can use you later on? Could that be the hindrance that's going on in your life? Could it even be just be the simple thing of reading God's word, praying, fellowshipping? Are those the things that are missing that keeps you from moving forward? One thing that I've noticed as a pastor and as a chaplain, how many people who've come to Christ that have not been discipled, either because no one has come to them for discipleship or they have not sought it out themselves. And now they come to me and we talk about it and they're still stuck at the basic level in Christianity. Have you asked yourself any of those questions? Now, what I do like about what the Hebrew writer says, he does give some comfort to those who he is writing to. You look here at verse 9. He says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Yes, we've presented something that's difficult. Okay, we present something that's difficult. But I am confident on who you are. It's almost like what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. I'm confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord. That will happen. So it seems like the writer here is providing this warning. But not necessarily a warning that you guys must not be Christians. If that's the case, then the warning here that it is serving is you are stuck in basic. 
you need to get away from just drinking milk. You have to start eating solid food. I mean, that's what we see in chapter 5. You should be teachers by now. And that doesn't necessarily mean getting a degree, although it's good to have a degree. I have one. It's great. But that doesn't mean that's what is necessary for you to be teachers. If you are getting instruction from your pastor, someone who's mentoring you, someone discipling you, there has to be a point when now, instead of being discipled, you are now discipling. I've had people I've spoken to, hey, I don't know if I'm still getting fed. Well, have you considered that maybe feeding is not what you need right now? Maybe you have to be the one to feed others? If you think like, oh, I'm just getting all the basic stuff from church now. Well, that must have mean your training is complete. How about you step away and start doing the feeding of others, if that is exactly what you think. Well, I don't think I'm ready for that. Oh, well, how about we get you there? I mean, that's what the Hebrews passage is saying, because that is what they intend to do. In God's will, Lord willing, this is what we intend to do. We intend you to move forward, and we will teach you how to move forward. I know we are open to doing that here. question now is, are you willing to receive that teaching so you can move forward? Or are you going to keep wondering, well, I don't know, maybe this is not where God wants me to be. Maybe these aren't the people God wants me to fellowship. Maybe these aren't the people that God wants me to teach. I mean, unless you got that directly from God, I think there might be a different problem there. But, going back again to the confidence the writer has to the people he's writing. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So these guys actually do work. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, not only become sluggish, this was interesting here, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There are people that you can imitate. I know we're supposed to be Christ-like, but there are people who've come before us. The people who are here now. The people who are ready to disciple. Are you willing to take that discipleship? Or are you still going to fight it? No, hold on. I think God still has something else for me. Well, I can't talk to that one person, even though I think that one person can help me, but I'm not ready to speak to that person yet because I am not ready. And Hebrews says, I think that's the problem. If you're going to keep waiting for when you're ready, it's not going to happen because you should be more than who you are now as a Christian. You should be even beyond where you are now as a Christian. So I think you should ask yourself a different question. In the teaching of Calvinism, one of the points there is uh, perseverance of the saints. When I first heard that, I used to think it's preservation of the saints because that's the one that 
uh, is typically used for like once you're saved, you're always saved to make that argument. So I thought you're, you're preserving, okay? You're, you're, you're preserving the saints. But you know, as I ended up studying more, gone to school, it's, it's preservation of the, I mean, a perseverance, sorry, I did it again. It's perseverance of the saints, okay? Now, as I studied even further, perseverance is not like where you hunker down and then you wait it out. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to wait right here. Once the bombardment is over, I will go outside. You learn that actually it's work. You go out. Like I, I, like, I like the illustration of, of the farmer, right? The, uh, the having a water plant. So I have this image of a farmer, okay? Farmers out there tilling the land, working hard. Sun's heat beating down on the farmer, sweat, probably thirsty, been out the whole day. And I'm sure the temptation of, why am I doing this? It's in the mind. But no, he perseveres. He perseveres. He keeps tilling that land. He keeps going. Why? Why does he do it? Because there's an eventual goal, which is to produce whatever it is that he will plant. And if he does not persevere, it's not going to happen. But the thing is, the question is, will he actually stop doing what he's doing? No. The question really is, how far will he keep going? He knows what needs to happen, and he knows he needs to accomplish it. And what's great about a lot of things, when you do this often enough, you start getting stronger, you get smarter, you find better ways how to farm, you find better ways how to plant, you start understanding the seasons, the rain. If this happens, you may not have these kind of crops, but this happened, this is the kind of crops you're going to get. And all that comes out from perseverance from working. Uh, I don't have cable TV anymore, but I used to watch the History Channel a lot when it was the History Channel. And I remember as it creeps up to the 4th of July, they typically do like a, a documentary series on how America came about. And one of the things they brought up is, is some of these uh, Calvinists that come from, from Europe when they settle in America, they're so concerned about uh, making their faith evident. They will do all this work so that people can say, hey, I saw your faith. Good job. All right? It's, it's a lot of trying to, to show and demonstrate that they are persevering in their faith. So they're always conscious about, I need to do this so that my faith is evident. I have to do this because my faith is evident. And they will persevere through all that. Now, I don't necessarily agree with how that's done, because I can see how that can have legalistic tendencies as well. But I understand the point. Okay, I understand the point. The point is, they're so conscious about making sure their faith is evident, that no matter how challenging or difficulties, and by the way, these people just moved from Europe to a new land that they're very unfamiliar with. A lot of perseverance has to take place. Granted, it wasn't only them, but a lot of perseverance has to take place in order to make this new community work. Because if they didn't persevere, that community is gone. They have to put in the work. Like I said, there's some dangers if you're more conscious about that. But what's interesting is, if you have a changed heart and a renewed mind, it happens. In fact, even for those who I, I hear who haven't been discipled, 
there's always been this conviction to be discipled. I mean, they may call it different ways. It's always like, you know what, chaplain? I've been meaning to go to church. Oh, great. I'm glad that that's there. Guess what you got to do now? Go to church. You know what, chaplain? I haven't read the Bible. I know I should. Wow. Guess what? Now we have the answer. You're going to read your Bible. You know what, chaplain or pastor? You know, I want to I wanna learn how to pray, but I just don't know how. Well, guess what? You've come to the right office. Let's get that started. So for two true Christians, right? That's what it's being said here. It is impossible. You have had the Holy Spirit already advocating for you this whole time. You should have that burden in you. That's why the writer is confident that eventually, through some work and perseverance, because he's not asking about whether you have faith or not, and it's not even talking about, you know, you need to do work to get your faith. That's not the conversation here. The conversation here is you already have faith. You, to get away from being a basic Christian, you got to do work. And by the way, you just don't only see this in Hebrews. I mean, go to James. Right? You want to talk about your religion? You want to talk about your faith? Why don't you take care of people who need? And James points out widows and orphans. How about you don't discriminate? How about you work out your faith? How about you control your tongue? How about you just love people? How about we start there? Now that you know the kind of love you receive through Jesus Christ, how about you do what he says? How about you love one another? How about you love even those who don't love you? How about you stop worrying about what other people think and be more concerned about what God is telling you? Is what's keeping you from moving away from basic Christianity you. I mean, it's so easy to point to other things, right? Oh, the church is hypocrites, a bunch in there. I go, you're right. The only difference is a bunch of hypocrites who admitted they're hypocrites. That's why they're here. To hear a message from a pastor that tells them, you need to stop being a hypocrite. Oh, great. Oh, thank you, pastor. That was a great message. I'll be stopped. I'll stop being a hypocrite starting tomorrow. If you're more concerned about those things, maybe you should ask yourself the question, is the problem you? Are you the one keeping yourself from moving on from basic Christianity? How about the other question? How about you just do the work regardless of where you are? I don't know if you know, I was supposed to deploy. I'm supposed to be there right now. But because of valley fever, I was asked to stay behind and recover here, and we sent somebody else to deploy in my place. And what's crazy about that is, I look back and I was like, I've been doing this training for 11 years now, in my 12th year, and if you know anything about the military reserve, Every time we show up on the base, it's to train to deploy. That's what we do. We train to deploy. Every time we show up, we get a list that says, hey, are you missing anything? We have this concept of uh, green, yellow, red. 
If you're green, that means you're good. Yellow, you're kind of about to not be good. And red, you are not ready to deploy. So every time we show up, it's always this piece of paper that says, hey, you are missing this. Whether it's a fitness test, dental records, flu shot, uh, making sure you completed this, this computer-based training. Have you seen the JAG, you know, our lawyers? Have you seen the, the docs in a while? So on and so forth. And that's all we do. And I've been doing this for over 11 years now. I'm good to go. In fact, I did one more training. That is, right now, we feel like we're an elite group because we haven't had as many chaplains go through this training yet. Field training. Actually doing stuff in the field. Because before that, we just hand out coffee and, and goodies. Now they're like, no, chaplains have to be field trained. Okay, so much so that we trained us Air Force guys in an army base, and that was a shocker to me. I've never seen so many beds in one room. You know, normally when you open your door, you're like, oh, you could get to sleep. When I got my keys home, the door's like, why are there eight beds here? I only need one. Turns out I'm sharing it with eight other people. It's like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> why does the army live like this, right? But no, that's what we did, and we trained. We trained. And now I am one of the few, I mean, I'm one of the few qualified chaplains who can actually deploy directly to deployment, to the deployed environment. Not a lot of chaplains have that. Just to stay back. And you know what I start asking myself, then what was the point? What was the point of all of that training and I end up not going? I asked myself that question. I am not where I'm supposed to be. Now, fortunately, the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you're not a basic Christian anymore. I hope you understand that. Because I can use you where you are now. You don't have to wait to get to where you're going. I am using you here. And by the way, after getting that word, it wasn't like I changed my mind all of a sudden. Oh, hey, thanks, Holy Spirit. Appreciate that. I'm good to go. And I was like, yeah, but you don't know, Holy Spirit. I am sad right now. You don't understand how depressed I am. Holy Spirit goes, you're not a basic Christian, buddy. You better figure it out. Because I'm about to send people your way, and you can't be a basic Christian. And that's where I want to challenge you tonight. Because there's so much temptation to be a basic Christian. Because here's the thing. You say, hey, you know what? I don't want to be a basic Christian. We're great. Let's do it. And then you're ready. Yeah! 50-person church? I got that. Mission field? Yes. I'm good to go. Did you know it's going to be challenging for you the moment you run into people and you're like, ooh, it turns out I don't like people very much. That'll be a challenge too. Or how about it turns out you are not very patient with people, because that can happen too. But see, the thing is, if you are beyond basic Christianity, you'll be surprised how the Holy Spirit can use you wherever you are. So instead of trying to figure out how all your circumstance around you is keeping you from moving forward, maybe ask yourself the question, what is it in you that's keeping you from moving forward? Let us pray.